Welcome to the Build to Play Awards, celebrating games and technology for the arts inclined. I'm your host, Armin Igbali. And I'm your plucky sidekick, Daniel Rosen. This week, we're giving out awards of absolutely no merit or value to some of our favorite and least favorite games of the year. Each winner will be bestowed with a golden statue of Hiroshi Yamauchi screaming at nerds. The golden sunglasses are in two groups, general awards and individual awards. You'll hear us deliberate about the general awards and then give out the individual awards, which are based on our favorite games of the last year. And the first award is... The Broke Piece of Junk Scholarship for Buggy Gameplay and a Lack of Foresight. Okay, so on this list we have the nominees are... Assassin's Creed Unity, Drive Club, Sonic Boom... Halo of a Master Chief Collection and The Crew. Okay, so I think we can disqualify The Crew, or at least get rid of The Crew early on, because while that, that game seems to have bugs, they have been mostly, it's most, mostly gameplay problems sure. up at the top. Master Chief still doesn't work. It has been become a lot better, though. Yeah, neither does Drive Club, though. And that has not gotten better. Yeah, so Drive Club is still broken, and they still haven't fulfilled something they promised to do. The story of Drive Club being that Sony put this out promising it was going to be their big racing game at PS4 launch. It got delayed. They were going to give it out for free to PS Plus customers. And then when it came out, the free version didn't come out, and the game itself literally didn't function. The online modes don't work, and only, I believe, one mode of the game can be played offline. The Master Chief Collection, meanwhile, was a collection of all the Halo Halo games, you know, the big shooter franchise on the Xbox, um, from 1 to 4 and all upscaled already, except the multiplayer didn't work. So uh, they it took hours to find a game, upwards of 30 minutes for a match. They, uh, they still haven't managed to quite get it working, although it has been significantly improved from right. what I hear. Uh, Sonic Boom is an utterly non-functional, terrible game. Maybe the actual worst, like, actively worst game on this list. Yes. Even when functioning, Sonic Boom is not fun, but it's never functioning. Yeah. Sonic Boom will regularly drop your characters through holes. It will regularly forget to give you items that it gave you during cutscenes and force you to somehow trigger a cutscene again, even though that is impossible. Uh, It will sometimes forget cutscenes are happening and let you just keep playing. There's also, uh, if you slow down the way the cutscenes work, apparently the way the animation is is so glitchy but often you'll realize that it'll transition to a new scene and forget to render the characters. Mm -hmm. So you can actually, by the way, you can jump over event flags that trigger cutscenes and walk into rooms where your character's cutscene models are just standing there waiting to be animated. Which is kind of incredible, but I don't know if this... So, okay, I think this is that's going to be one of the main contenders, Sonic Mm -hmm. Boom. Uh, It's another in the Sonic franchise. And, I mean, to be fair, it's not really a Sonic game. It's a licensed game for the TV show. Uh, And then we have Assassin's Creed Unity, which is another game in a long-running uh, franchise. But, I mean, Assassin's Creed Unity is fairly unique in the, its issues yeah, right now. Yeah, it's, it's sort of the poster child for, I guess, this whole awards category of the broken games of 2014. Uh, faces that don't render, so you see screaming skulls with eyeballs, uh, protagonists falling through the floors, uh, ma- um, matchmaking that takes seven hours, um, objectives that don't render, g- f- horrible frame rates, crowds that render on top of each other just a nightmare of impossible like just characters bones melting and npcs flopping around like yogurt yeah and as a result it just feels like the game was rushed it wasn't well put together as do most of these games on this list Mm -hmm. the crew also seems pretty rushed but again i like mostly gameplay issues the crew and ubisoft sorry the crew and assassin's creed are both ubisoft games which is why which is unique that they both made it on this list Mm -hmm. um the uh, okay, so I think what it's going to come down to is Master Chief is is a little fit, better fixed. Mm-hmm. The crew is relatively okay, functional. So what it comes down to is Drive Club, Sonic Boom, and Assassin's Creed Unity. 
which one do you feel is the most... Uh, I feel like Sonic Boom is just easy, right? It's just mm-hmm. it's the easy answer to this. But I also feel like Assassin's Creed Unity represents something, and I don't feel like it's right to let Assassin's Creed Unity get off with saying, well, you're trying to fix the problem. Yeah. I feel like Assassin's Creed Unity is sort of is sort of making people pay attention to the busted state of game... Dis- of, of game dis- of, or game publishing now. With that, I, I, I think that you're right. Po- Assassin's Creed Unity is kind of the poster child for this, especially considering the massive list of bugs that Ubisoft put up and, and are I willing like, to admit exist. And I was feel- and I feel like nobody was expecting anything out of Sonic Boom. Yeah. The, the thing is, it's a licensed game, and it feels like too easy to pick on it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like... To some oh, ex- I'll keep picking on it. It's really awful. The, well, like it, it feels mean to pick on it and like, give it an award for how bad it is. Sure. Because it's just like, it's the dumb kid in the yard who... Like he keeps he keeps saying things that he doesn't understand what he's saying, but maybe we just don't talk to him? Like, just leave him alone there? So, what do you think? Assassin's Creed Unity or Drive Club? Uh... Okay, so Drive Club is still totally busted, and there's a whole mode that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> but it's mostly the, the connections. That's yeah. what have been the big issues. It's the, it's the actual, you know, the unique feature right. of the game. Assassin's Creed Unity, however, is every facet of gameplay is riddled or was riddled with glitches. Okay, so I'm going to play... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go d- uh, Drive Club. Uh, I'm going to fight for this because I feel like the thing that made Drive Club unique, mm-hmm. the, its critical aspect was its social elements. Unlike a lot of these other... Like, the crew, similarly... Uh, Master Chief Collection also, this is where the problem lies. These are all, online issues, I think, are kind of a highlight for the year in general. And Drive Club is kind of the perfect representation of that. In that it's just a broken mess of social interaction, where the key focus is this online experience that just failed. Yeah, but this week they patched in rain. (laughs) Right, I forgot about that. They didn't have rain ready for launch. They did not have rain ready. You know what? I feel like you're right. Yeah. I feel like Drive Club is is the winner. Yes, so congratulations, Drive Club. You'll receive your award in the mail. We will mail you golden sunglasses for broke piece of junk scholarship for buggy gameplay and lack of foresight. All right, next up on the list, we have the Alfred P. Bland Prize for a game that's probably fine. These are games that we haven't played, but probably are decent. They're like, probably mediocre. I mean, I mean, whatever. I mean, you could probably play them and not have a heart attack. Like, it won't, sure. it won't hurt you. Uh, you might that, even have a good time. The nominees are... Pokemon Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire. Call of Duty, Advanced Warfare. World of Warcraft, Warlords of Draenor. Geometry Wars 3. And every sports game released this year. Which I feel like is us making an easy joke because we never play any of those and they're probably all okay. Though I hear NHL uh, 15 is not that great. So every sports game excluding NHL 15. So, okay. The rest of these. The rest of these. What do you think the game is most fine? I, 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 I have witnessed... Pokemon Alpha Sapphire being played and heard of it being played from from friends who are playing it. And it seems like it takes too many steps forward to be just fine, where it's like it's an interesting step forward for the franchise. Not in a significant way, but yeah. in the way that po- every Pokemon game is. It renders the last game obsolete. Yeah. Though I have heard it's a little too easy, to the point where I feel like I ha- now have too many opinions about it for it to just be so bland. Okay, so what I guess what we're, we're arguing here for is the game that is the most average... Mm-hmm. That we haven't played, but also other people might like. Right. And I feel like that probably is Pokemon Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Yeah. If only because what can we say about it? I Call of Duty Advanced Warfare is a Call of Duty, which which I mean, you know, that speaks it's for itself. It's a better Call of Duty, though. It, it is, is a better Call of Duty. Which means it's it's not garbage, mm-hmm. which elevates it to the level of probably fine. Yeah. Um, Omega, World of Warcraft, Warlords of Draenor, again... That that has been called. That's a significant upgrade to the system, and it's still, but it's still World of Warcraft, so it's probably fine. Probably fine. Um, Geometry Wars three. Now I kind of want to play Geometry Wars three. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, a big fan of Geometry Wars. 
I'm a big fan of the first Geometry Wars, not so much the second one. What did you like about the second one? Too many sequels? Too many numbers? Too many numbers? No, I just I, don't, I thought the gameplay changes made it a little more challenging than I beyond the point where I was willing to invest. Well, it had it, I mean it, it had this exact same gameplay, just there were different modes. Yeah, the the new modes was just nothing. I never really caught uh, my eyes. I I, I I think pacifism mode is really really exciting. Pacifism mode is the Pacifism one exception. Mode is super fun. I think King of the Hill is kind of interesting. Ah, no, not really. I mean that's that's me. I don't. I, and the original game doesn't have waves either. That's true. That's true. The Geometry Wars 3, I think, that might, that might actually have some interesting changes. I think the, re- the reason I put it on this list is because I feel like Geometry Wars 3 probably, it's probably the least changes of all of these. Well, it's got a 3D plane. That's true. It has a 3D plane that does change it. I feel like what disqualifies it is that both of us kind of want to play this game. Yeah, I guess we... <laughs> I, feel like that, I feel like what we've come around to is that we both kind of want to try Geometry Wars 3, and that means that it probably doesn't qualify for a game that we don't want to play, but it's probably okay. That's true. Okay, so that, that's off the list. Um, so, Wars of Drainer, Advanced Warfare, Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Yeah. Um, okay, so, Warlords of Drainer, I think we, we have... World of Warcraft has been established yeah. as being fine. 100%. It's a lot of people still play it. It's lost a lot of its uh, subscription base. base. But Warlords of Draenor seems to be the most recent in a long line of expansions. The last one, Mists um, of Pandera, was apparently decent. Mm-hmm. The one before that, people didn't like Cataclysm. So are you saying the world? So that's the, I, I, like the issue with this award, and I was yeah. thinking of this when we sat down, is that the issue with this award is that we are arguing over which is more okay. Yeah, exactly. No, no. <laughs> or less okay, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah. So I think. What it comes down to is what do you think is... I think... Do you think... Okay, I guess is... Do you think Warlords of Draenor is more... Let's go with this. Do you think Warlords of Draenor is more or less okay than uh, 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 Advanced Warfighter? I think Warlords of Draenor and and Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire are more meritorious. Uh, Because I feel like they try. They try... Okay. Not not that they try very hard, mind you, but I feel like there is trying. Do you... How much does Advanced Warfare try? Beyond I, having Kevin Spacey, um, it, well, because we it, can remember if we don't give it this golden sunglasses, yeah. we can give it the golden sunglasses for best performance by a Kevin Spacey in a video game in 2014. Oh I mean, no, it's already won that prize. I didn't want to spoil that, but it, oh, is, okay. it has already won the. Kevin well, that that one was off the off stage. We yes. did that one on the red carpet. Yeah, uh, that's it. Has won the Kevin Spacey prize for best Kevin Spacey in a game starring Kevin Spacey in 2014. In 2014, we gave it to a cardboard standout of Kevin Spacey. Exactly. Um, well, the competitors were Kevin Sp- Kevin Spacey, Kevin. Real Kevin Spacey, Kevin K-Pax. Spacey, K-Pax, and Kaiser Soze, who's yeah. Kevin Spacey, who's Spoilers. Kevin, and uh, Kevin Spacey, who is in Call of Duty, and Call of Duty did win that, so. and Kevin Spacely, Ken Spacely, the uh, <laughs> guy for Sp- Mr. Spacely from from uh, the Jetsons. True. Okay, I forgot about him. Yeah. Okay, so with with this, I think we're okay. How many changes do you think Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire made? The significant changes are to the game, because it's a remake, right? That's the right. problem, right? It's a remake. So most of the changes are to what the game was initially. Yeah. So it feels like a bigger step forward than it actually is. I think its significant change is the deck snav mechanic, which lets you sort of much better track Pokemon and pick what you want to be catching, which is right. interesting to me as a person who likes catching Pokemon. Um, but it's, it's, it's a small thing, obviously, in, in the grand scheme of things. But it's well presented. And that's, and that's sort of the thing the game has. It is built from the ground up to be an interesting presentation. How much of a difference is this then between uh, X and Y? In this? X and Y is a better game. X and Y is a better game? I, I feel like you would probably better so, rather play X and Y than this, unless you have a lot of fondness for Ruby and Sapphire. But I'm saying as a person who hasn't played it. What, what do you think is your strongest your strongest push? What do, you, what do you feel deep in your heart is made the least changes and is just kind of relying on old momentum? Advanced Warfare. What's Warfighter? Advanced Warfare. Warfighter? No, it's Warfare. Warfighter? It's Warfare. Are you sure? I mean, Ghost Recon's a pretty good game. 
Uh, I believe it's Advanced Warfare. Uh, Warfighter was Medal of Honor Warfighter, the game starring the man with the beard. Oh, I was see. I was thinking of Gra Two. Um, see that uh, Ghost, Ghost Recon, Recon Advanced, Advanced Warfighter Two. Two. Yeah, the sequel to Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter. Was the first? I'm gonna go with War. I think I'm gonna go with Warlords of Draenor. I I feel like Pokemon, because this is a remake, mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't necessarily count as a step forward. I feel like if there is a new Pokemon game coming, they would make more yeah. steps. This just happens to be a remake. Yeah. World of Warcraft, Warlords of Draenor, I do think is just like, it's just more of the same. Like, it's just literally See, the I feel same like Advanced move. Warfighter is also, or Warfare is exactly more of the same, but this time with Kevin Spacey. Okay, so which... It is a game with jetpacks and, like, electronic, kind of all kinds of cool electronic gadgets that still plays exactly like Call of Duty. Okay. Worlds of Draenor, it's it's still World of Warcraft. It is still World of Warcraft, but I feel like they are they're they're upgrading character models. Like there's obviously an attempt to do something here. I don't think it changes the the fundamental experience of World of Warcraft. But I also feel like nothing has changed the fundamental of World of Warcraft in the last decade. Call of Duty has been doing it for a little bit less time, um, and has taken more steps with certain games, and this game feels like nothing. Black Ops two was a step. It was a step in some direction. This game doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. Call of Duty is a franchise that sort of lost its identity like not its identity, but lost its momentum and Entirely and is relying purely on coasting. All right, I'll make this compromise with you. Okay, okay Call of Duty, um, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Congratulations, your golden sunglasses will be in the mail. Put them right on Kevin Spacey's bald head. All right, the next one we have on the list is the Wow Really Award for game we hear is great but didn't play. Another one of these awards where we are struggling to talk about <laughs> games that we don't know about, but we can probably talk about a lot of these. Yeah, because I mean, we actually have played a bunch of these, except yeah. for maybe. The last three. Let's get into our nominees. Uh, it's Sunset Overdrive, Dragon Age Inquisition, Bayonetta 2, Shadow of Mordor, Hearthstone, and Alien Isolation. So we're talking basically about all the biggest games of 2014 that <laughs> aren't Ubisoft. All the ones that aren't broken. Yeah. Um, Sunset Overdrive, I played for about an hour. Okay. Dragon Age Inquisition, you have played. I played for about two hours, and that's like nothing compared yeah. to like the 80 hours required to beat that game. I, I have played like 20 minutes of Bayonetta 2 and watched someone play all of it. Okay. Uh, I have played approximately one match of Hearthstone. That's more than I've played. And I've played 45 minutes of Alien Isolation. So I've played about, yeah, I've played about two hours of Dragon Age. I've I've played about an hour of Sunset Overdrive. I've played 30 minutes of Bayonetta 2. Shadow of Mordor, I haven't actually... Neither of us have played Shadow of Mordor. So I feel like it wins by default. Yeah, yeah. So, okay... I f- okay, what game have we put the most time into? I feel like both of us have actually played Sunset Overdrive to some extent and have yes. an idea of what that game is. So it's Shadow of the Hedgehog. Yeah. It's literally Shadow of the Hedgehog, but better. But a much better version of what that game wanted to be. Yeah. Okay, so Sunset Overdrive, the exclusive game for Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Uh, Developed by one. Insomniac. Insomniac with a variety of weapons that very much focus on speed. That's off the list. We've both played it, and it looks decent, but yeah, probably not the best game on the Probably okay. Yeah. Um, okay, Dragon so... Inquisition. He's probably really good. Yeah. Brownie is... I think that's a game that we actually both really want to play. We both really want to play Dragon Age Inquisition. You have it, and yep. I don't, because yep. I was waiting for it to play it on next gen, and now that I have a next gen system, I just haven't found the time to go out and buy it. Yeah. Hearthstone, I don't think, wins this list. No. I don't think, I don't think it's I th- the best Hearthstone one. Hearthstone is really good, but I do want to sit down and play more of it. Um, but I also feel like it doesn't... It's not as impressive or as interesting as some of these other games. Yeah, the the fact is that Hearthstone is very much it's a step forward on the on in its genre, but it's not necessarily like it's more a genius of interface. Exactly, it's it a genre I love and wish we got more of. And I'm really waiting for them to port this game to Android. Yes, but... 
That's I think that's at one at which point we will play it and say it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, next year is Golden Sunglasses. Uh, Alien Isolation, the horror game that apparently overstays its welcome. Very, very that's long. the thing. I played it for forty five minutes and thought it was wonderful. Okay, but I also hear that, and I can oh, I can a hundred percent see where that game would overstay its welcome, uh, which is specifically when it starts introducing human enemies. So you had concerns when you were playing it mm-hmm. um, that it might get repetitive. Yeah. Uh, so it did. I guess I feel like it's the it's one of the the stronger, weaker titles on this li- list. Yeah. Um. So okay, let's not go with Alien Isolation. I think that leaves us with Dragon Age Inquisition, Shadow of Mortar, and Bayonetta Two. Right. Uh, I think Bayonetta 2 is pretty damn good. Bayonetta 2 is probably, again, 20 minutes. You said 30 yeah. minutes. I've watched it be played. It looks really great. It comes with Bayonetta 1, so you yeah. really can't go... A purchase of it guarantees you a fantastic game. It is slightly problematic at times, definitely, yeah. but I feel like Bayonetta kind of does it tongue-in-cheek with, yeah. with a purpose. I mean, it does have a furry costume. Yeah. You can the... dress as Star Fox. You can't... Well, Star Foxess. Vixen. Vixen. That's what the word is. Is it? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a Vixen... Not a voxen? Not a voxel? No, a voxel. Well, it's a vixen, a voxel, and a kit. Okay. <laughs> That's good to vixen, know. Vixen, voxel, pixel, kit, Kevin Spacey. <laughs> That's the Fox family. Shadow of Moore is a, we're pretty sure it's a video game. It is Assassin's Creed. Is it's it? this year's good Assassin's Creed. Okay. Um, but with orcs. Okay, so. Which I can get behind. I'm into killing orcs. Okay, what do we, what do we know about this game? Let's, let's list it. Um, there orcs. are. Lord of the Rings. Orcs. Golem. Orcs. <laughs> System. Um, there's a thing where Nemesis you kill people. System. Nemesis, Nemesis system. system. Golem. Orcs. I think we both said those. Okay. We need to try again. Open world. Um, assassinations. Uh, immortal. Sauron. Is he in? No, he's not in that game. Is I think he? he is. Are you sure? You might fight him. Okay, I'm pretty sure there are orcs in that game. I don't think so. All right, so we're crossing Sauron Mortar off the list. Um, <laughs> we know nothing about it, evidently. <laughs> So Dragon Age Inquisition and Bayonetta 2. I feel like Dragon Age Inquisition and Bayonetta 2 are both great games, and we haven't played enough of either. Yeah, uh, these are both games I'm eagerly looking forward to playing. I think uh, it comes down to I want to play Dragon Age more. Inquisition more. Yeah. And I feel like that's where we're standing here. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Dragon Age Inquisition is our, uh, wow, really, game we didn't play but really want to. The prize goes to Dragon Age Inquisition for Wow Really Award for Game We Hear is Great But Didn't Play. We will put sunglasses on a dragon in your honor. Okay, and then our next one is the Please Understand Award for Baffling Decision Made by Console Manufacturer. The nominees are Amiibo, the Sony Vita uh, lawsuit, Sony PlayStation 4 firmware 2.0, the collapse of Xbox TV, and the whole Kinect kerfuffle. Let's kind of go through these one at a time and explain what they are before we start debating them. Okay, so Amiibo is, we, we've we talked about this a bunch on the show, is the action figures that Nintendo have been releasing. Yes, Nintendo's Toy to Life concept skylanders is an infinity they are functional and do nothing you have the most experience you've had the most experience with amiibo um but from all accounts they functionally just are avatars that show up in the game in smash bros they are training dummies that get stronger and learn from you uh people actually found some interesting uses for them people are entering them in smash bros tournaments and they are placing pretty decently sometimes uh which i kind of like um they but otherwise they are useless they kind of serve no purpose because you can't use them in any of, this, in, in any of the uh, co-op modes as a partner. So they can't even serve as a surrogate friend. Uh, in other games, they basically act as DLC unlocks. Um, <sighs> and Nintendo is currently having a ton of trouble keeping some of the ones that people really want, like Marth and the Villager, in stores. And then the next one is the Sony PlayStation Vita suit, which is basically Sony advertised that uh, remote play was going to be magic. 
in all of their ads that it would basically let you play PS4 on your PlayStation Vita device. The idea was like, hey, look, you're playing Call of Duty? Well, you can go upstairs and play Call of Duty on your Vita, which is shockingly the Wii U basically yeah. concept. Fun um, fact about that, um, now that we have a Vita and a PS4, my brother tested out and he can't even play a game in his room, which is just across the hall. Nice. So I guess Through that's... one wall. Through one wall. It does not work. Okay, so then there's the PlayStation 4 f- firmware 2.0 update, which broke a whole bunch of games. There's the collapse of Xbox TV. So Xbox for... If you remember the launch of the Xbox One, they were t- talking big game about how they were going to have all these TV shows up yeah. on your Xbox. Microsoft was planning a whole slate of shows. A soccer reality show, a sci-fi show, a Halo show. And basically everything against that Halo show has vamooshed. And the documentary that where they ended up at the E.T. landfill site. Right. That, that got repositioned. Um, everything died because they realized it was a horrible idea. Why would you do this? Uh, so they fired everybody. It was very messy, including the two people they hired, I believe, from ABC and, and, and uh, Warner Brothers. To help run the place like, more like a TV network. Yeah, Right. Yeah. And so they poached those two and they, were, and they got fired like everybody else. And then finally, we have the Connect removal from Xbox One, or as you put it, the Connect kerfuffle, which is basically the Xbox One launching with Connect, saying it's important to the console. Six months later, dropping the price by $100, cutting the Connect out of the picture, and realizing, oh, we need to move consoles. <sighs> okay, so among these, part of the part of the award is that they're incomprehensible. <laughs> so I feel like the Vita lawsuit doesn't count. The, well. I don't know, because I feel like that, that, that is kind of weird that they said it was going to be magic and then it turned out it's, not to be. It's baffling, but I feel like that was just a PR thing. I oh, feel like that PR? was an advertising firm, not Sony. I was also going to say that we should cut out the connector removal from Xbox One because that's logical. I feel like that was just a lot. That, that was kind of like in the works. The fact is, they wanted to drop the price by a hundred dollars. They were losing out for being a hundred dollars yep. more expensive. This is not many games were using the Connect, and while it burned a whole bunch of people who were working on games that incorporated Connect, it was probably the best marketing decision sure. down the line. So we've got Amiibo. The firmware 2.0 and the class of Xbox TV. I also feel like firmware 2.0. It's baffling, but I feel like that's just poor testing. It, the fact that they let it, they they let themselves have that poor testing system. Because I mean, like all of it's baffling that any of the games that are broken came through. That's How true. did a firmware get through? Because Sony releases firmware every three hours. Yeah, but this particular in particular like was so bad that review, game uh, games started being sent to reviewers uh, from the Xbox One sheerly because it was too scary to see what would happen if their game launched on. Uh, yes, was reviewed on PS4. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, okay, another thing maybe we can cut, and I'm shocked that we're gonna I'm gonna say this, but the collapse of Xbox TV because. That, it seems more baffling than it existed the in the design, first part. Yeah, the design of XSTV is a baffling part. So we've got Amiibo and the firmware. And Amiibo is baffling. Amiibo is semi-logical. Amiibo is semi-logical in that Nintendo is looking at Skylanders and Disney Infinity and saying, oh, we can do that. And they're not wrong. They totally could. There's plenty of room left in that market, I think. Kids will always want toys that work with their games. I, I feel like that. Just be, I feel like kids will buy Skylanders, Disney Infinity, and Amiibo because they're all relatively cheap, you know? And Amiibo doesn't have... Amiibo's kind of selling point is it doesn't have a game to go with it, really. Right. Which is it's also what makes it functionally useless, but makes it more attractive to a, to a parent where it's like, oh, I don't have to pay for a $60 game. Each one of these is just 10 bucks a pop. Right. Um, so it's, it's logical in that sense. But the poor design around them, the bad marketing around them where it's... It's not really clear what games they work with. It's not really clear what they do in each games. And the fact they do nothing in these games is really, really... It's just not Nintendo-y. Nintendo's really never one to skimp on the part where they make a video game. 
they're they're a toy manufacturer for from way back, but they haven't done that in about you know since the seventies or sixties. And it's surprising to see them bungle, you know, a video game concept this hard because they don't do that. Meanwhile, firmware 2.0, you know, Sony does do firmware so often that it seems surprising that nobody is testing these things. I'm going to say, I want to say that it's the firmware, because I feel like the thing with Amiibo is that Nintendo hasn't figured it out yet. Like, it's mm. they're trying to figure out how to make these unique, how to make, because clearly they're going to be cross-platform. So they're trying to figure out how are they going to fit this into a whole bunch of games, and the examples they pulled, I mean, Mario Kart just turned out to be DLC. Mm-hmm. And... Everything turned out to be DLC, except for Smash Bros., which yeah. turned out to be useless, because they implemented it after the game was already halfway done. Yeah, so it was just like, they haven't found their place for it but yet. But I'm saying that it's insane that you launch this thing without a launch title. I'm right. saying that it's crazy that it... What were to happen if Skylanders launched without Skylanders? And it's just like, well, you can use them with other Ubisoft games to get the Spyro costume. Like, that's nonsense. That's utter nonsense. What were to happen if the... Like, these games do not have their one game they all function in. And while that makes it more attractive, I think, as a sales prospect to parents who don't necessarily get it, it makes them significantly less attractive to the players who have them who are going to want to buy more in the future, I have to imagine. Right. Or not want to buy more in the future. I feel like not launching it with the Nintendo action RPG like Skylanders, you know, Super Smash Brothers, the action RPG, I feel like that is shooting this thing in the foot. I feel like that's knocking it over before it even gets to start the race. They are, they have announced a, uh, a Pikachu or Pokemon game that's going to use this stuff, so mm-hmm. clearly they have ideas. They have plenty of ideas, and I think probably at E3 or some Nintendo Direct in the near future, we'll be hearing about, you know, Nintendo Land. Or Nintendo Land, sorry. Nintendo Landers or Nintendo Infinity. We'll be hearing about a game that specifically uses a you need an amiibo to play this game but until then i just don't see what like there's no reason to buy these and nintendo should have known that i I still think that having something especially during the critical season when everyone's buying their new games having something that just completely blows uh makes their system less valuable especially like let's be fair microsoft despite a lot of the poor decisions they made we've crossed both of their bungles off this list and um the uh, they've been rapidly updating their ser- their software so that it's more useful. A lot of people have been complimenting the fact that the Xbox One is a much better console than it was at launch. I don't think we can say quite the same thing about the PlayStation 4 at this point. Is that the, the console has gotten better, but it's by no means, it doesn't include all the features they promised, and now it has this firmware that needs to be corrected and has to be slowly, slowly fixed over time. I believe the firmware has been... Like, mostly patched, yes. Mostly patched, because I had to, I recently replaced the PS4's hard drive and had to download a, two, I had to download 2.03. Right from uh, from the PlayStation from PlayStation site. Uh, so, so they have been working on it. They are working on it, which I feel is which is to the point of like, and I, I imagine Nintendo is too. But I feel like Nintendo is pushing these things out for Christmas when that's an awful idea. And I feel like I feel like also Sony putting this out near Christmas uh, testing is a terrible idea. But I feel like they also we sort of live in a climate where you can release a bad patch and make a new patch tomorrow. We don't live in a climate where you can release a bad product and people will forget about it when it's time for Nintendo Landers. The Please Understand Award for Baffling Decision Made by Console Manufacturer goes to Amiibo. We Let's... hope you get better, but for now, I'll be putting golden sunglasses on my link, Amiibo, and taking a picture for the site. Fantastic. Okay, what's our last one? The last award is for the best game most people didn't play. And our nominees are... Threes. Banner Saga. Hitman Go. Bayonetta 2. Picross E4 and 5. Uh, Pushmo World. So... We've talked about Bayonetta 2 before. A lot of these work in context, right? So Bayonetta 2 didn't get a lot of sales, but it did get a lot of attention. Yeah. 3's has gotten moderate attention, but I think the, the thing is that... Okay, I guess we should go through these again. Sure, sure. Let's do them all. Let's, let's go them one by one. I think that's the easy way to do it. Yeah. 
Threes is a tile matching game, uh, four by five grid, something like that. Yep. It's a uh, you match up, you know, you match up threes. You match threes. You make three and three make six. Six and six make twelve. Twelve and twelve make twenty-four. But chances are you you've played this game. It's called Twenty Forty Eight, and it's free, and it's a, just basically a direct copy with different physics and D- not slightly as fun. different mechanics. It's not as fun, and it's actually much more poorly designed. Yeah, generally. Um, but you've played it. Be- you've played it because it's free. Yeah. And listen, fair play to you. Banner Saga was a good game, but just not didn't get that much attention. Mm-hmm. It, it got uh, a lot of. Flack for uh, they released they they did the Kickstarter and released the multiplayer section for free, and then uh, better was it was, then everyone reacted badly like how dare you I paid for this game how dare you give it away for free mm-hmm. and followed that up with uh, they got sued by King yeah for having the word saga in their name and Banner Saga ended up being a kind of depressing game about Vikings yeah it's and a that was strategy on, RPG kind of it's on Android now right yes it's five bucks it's a pretty good game then we've got. Hitman Go, Hitman Go, which is your sort of like bugbear. Yeah, I really dig Hitman Go, man. I mean, it just it looks beautiful. The gameplay's really good. It's it is better than Hitman Absolution. Oh, a thousand percent. Hitman Absolution is terrible. Yeah, uh, I'd argue it's better than the original Hitman. It's a really well designed board game. Basically, you play as the Hitman. There's multiple enemies on the board who move in a systemized pattern. Everyone has a different ability. So, for instance, some some uh, enemies move stay still. Some enemies just follow you, meaning that if you cross your own path, you you die kind of like in a snake. Or it's uh, you end up with like trap doors, and it's basically this 3D board game in which you play as the Hitman trying to get from one end of the map to another, and, and with initial challenges along the way. Right, and it's all presented. Well, my favorite thing about it is the the gameplay aesthetics of it because it is a board game, yeah. but it presents itself as a board game to na- hammer that point home. You have boxes that open up for each level, and game boards, and pieces, little figurines that get knocked over as you assassinate characters. It's really, really wonderful and really, really holistic in its aesthetic design. Yeah, and I really love that part of it. Yep. Bayonetta 2 is... We, I mean, it's, we it's a Wii U it. game. You probably haven't played it because it's a Wii U game. Yeah, probably haven't played it because it's a Wii U game. It's about a lady with long legs who has witch powers and her clothes are made of hair. Anyway, so Bayonetta 2, it's kind of Devil May Cry kind of action game. Really good game about letting you kind of figure out the combos. Mm-hmm. Re- doesn't require you to memorize very specific really, skill chains. Really brilliant, just nonsensical aesthetic design where the I believe the first level or the demo of a level at least uh, is uh, Bayonetta fighting on top of a jet plane yep. and ripping angels and demons in half um, later on in the game it involves falling meteors you, and riding them uh, at one point you fly our wings into a witch mountain um, and do barrel rolls that one the problem is it's on Wii U and it's not a Mass market game because certainly not. It's and it's also pretty violent, very difficult, and very kind, sexual, we, and in occasionally in problematic ways. Yeah, because of that, I doubt little Jimmy's gonna get that for Christmas. Little yeah. Jimmy's gonna lump a coal because he's been a little snitch this year. But most of the time, I mean, he usually gets good games, and Bayonetta Two is not gonna be one of them, though. No, but Bayonetta uh, Two is a good game that uh, nobody has played, including Jimmy. Uh, next is um, Picross E4 and 5, which uh, I joked earlier that because Picross E4 and 5 came out, I only had to pick one other Game of the Year nominee. <laughs> um, I, have played the, I have played the Picross series of games for 3DS collectively for probably 150 hours. I don't know what Picross is. Picross is a puzzle. Think of it, it could almost be like a newspaper puzzle. It's number crosswords. And how it works is that each row, it, it can be a 5x5, 10x10, 15x15, or 20x15 um, board. 
and each row and column has numbers set up on it. So let's say you have a five by five board. This column says five. That means you fill in all five squares. Right. But this row says one space four. That means, and you, since you already have the five, you know that the first one is one, then X, then four piles filled in. Okay. And altogether, they form a picture once you finish it all together. It is hideously addicting. They're really wonderful. The... Then the last one is Pushmo World, which recently came out, which not recently, but earlier in this year came right. out on Wii U. Which is a sequel to Pushmo, but yeah. not a sequel to Crashmo, which is also a sequel to Pushmo, <laughs> <laughs> because Nintendo's sometimes really bad with names. Right. Um, Pushmo World is just more Pushmo. Pushmo is another puzzle game. You have sort of dioramas of, I don't know, let's say a house, and you have a goal, which is somewhere at the top of the house, and your job is to pull out the blocks that make the house. They can be pulled out up to three squares each and climb up. It's sort of like it's sort of like platforming Jenga. Cool. Uh, except nothing falls over. That's Crashmo. So it's a little bit more like platforming Tetris. Um, it's really devious and it's really big. Uh, there's a lot. There's also a world, like, sort of a puzzle sharing feature. So there's a lot of uh, sometimes less savory puzzles online, but a lot of really interesting ones too. I'm kind of one thing I'm kind of shocked about this list is that there are very there there's really only one indie game for PC here. Well, yeah. last year I think if we had set we had made this list, um, it would have it included like several several indie, indie games. So yeah, this it's not a good year for like not published indie games. I feel like indie games are this year at least a lot of them are on PS4. A lot of them PS4 and a lot of them were very. Were, I mean, very, a lot of them were either very big deals or, or just, nothing at all. Yeah, just okay. So. I'm going to nominate Pushmo for deletion. Okay. I'm going to say that you you sounded more effusive about Picross. Definitely. Um, and I I'm ju- effusive as hell about Picross. <laughs> I can, it's just leaking. I mean, I, we have to leave soon because just of all the buckets. Yeah, just all the effuse in this room. I'm personally going to put down Bayonetta 2 because gonna... I, I feel like it got a decent amount of press. And while not necessarily a lot of people played it, I feel like a lot of people know of it. To the point where it will be played once those people buy a Wii U eventually, or if they buy a Wii U. So, so I mean, your argument is that if the Wii U pick up, picks up steam, you know, you know what? You're right. That's a silly argument. Yeah. Um. So okay, let's leave it on for now. Let's leave it on for now. Um, I'm gonna. I feel real bad about this, but I'm going to cut Hitman Go mm-hmm. because I do think someone played that game, and I feel like that game. I feel like that game made its money back. I feel like that's, okay. that's the important part. Threes, I'm not sure, because I know that the ripoff was played more than threes. I think they got enough money, but I think that the bigger deal is that more people didn't play threes. Mm-hmm. Like, the the problem with the banner, like, the problem with Hitman Go is that there's nothing like Hitman Go. There's no copy of it. Right. It's very unique. And because of that, if you want to play Hitman Go, you go play Hitman Go. Right. But if you want to play threes, you can play eights or three or 2048. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's so many copies of threes, but it's more a game that was not played right. than it is a game that was played. Um, as for Banner Saga, I haven't played it. You have, I think. Oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. yeah. So what is it? Is it, I feel is like it the best we... game? I don't think it's the best game on this list. Right. I feel like we've put here with three and Hitman Goes and Picross, which are really addicting mobile games. Yes. And I feel like, and they're really strongly designed mobile games too. Uh, whereas I think Banner Saga's kind of sticking point is it's, I don't want to say it's narrative, but it's presentation. Pentastar has weaknesses, but it's also getting a sequel, which makes me think that there was enough, There's a, there was at least enough there that... Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it was also a Kickstarter game, and definitely yeah. anybody who Kickstarted it definitely played it. Okay, so I, I, I'm not going to cut, cut off Banner Saga for its lack of quality, but I am going to cross it off because I think it did get... It, it did not get the in-proportion right. of lack of attention that some of these other games didn't get. Sure. Picross, Bayonetta, and threes. threes. Okay, so... 
what okay, what do you think the chances are that the Wii U does catch on? Slim. Slim? Slim. What to what extent do you think that Wii U players going forward are going to play Bayonetta 2? I think Bayonetta 2 has a limited appeal. Okay. I think, especially among the Nintendo fan, I think the thing with Bayonetta 2 that made it seem so disproportionate. Bayonetta 2, Bayonetta 1 was probably played by a similar amount of people as Bayonetta 2. I can't imagine it sold nearly as well, but a similar amount or proportional amount. Right. Um, in terms of percentage of total market share of the console, I feel like Bayonetta is in itself a niche. It's a hardcore Japanese character action game, the kind of which we don't see ever anymore. Right. And it really only exists because Nintendo went out their way to publish a new exactly. one. Exactly. I feel like while Bayonetta 2 was not played by that many people, I feel like it was played by about by proportionally the same amount of people who played Bayonetta 1. Though I do feel it's one of the strongest games on this list. Yeah, I think that's that's the, that's the problem. I think like it's just it's a really really good game. I feel and, like that, I feel like that's the thing. Like I love Picross and I love threes, but I feel like okay, I'll put it this way. I feel like we're going to get to threes, right? And we're gonna give it some golden sunglasses. Yeah, I like. I guess it's just really like, what are we gonna cut cut off before we cut off uh, before we get to threes? And I feel, um, I'm willing to cut Picross because I, while I think that nobody played it, I feel like again it's more impressive the amount of people who didn't play threes. I feel like that game was that game was hurt. Right. More. Picross was ignored. Right. I think is the bigger thing. Beta 2 with the runner-up, because I, I really want to get a runner-up here, but it's best game people uh, didn't play goes to threes. Because literally no one plays. Yeah. And that's it for general awards. Your golden sunglasses are in the mail, except for you, Amiibo. You'll be getting them in person. Now on to our individual award. Daniel, you're first with the Hurt So Good Medal for Cruel and Unusually Brilliant Game Design. What what illustrious title won this award? This award specifically goes to Dark Souls 2 and very specifically goes to No Man's Wharf in Dark Souls 2. So No Man's Wharf is a level in Dark Souls 2 and... Um, it's it is an optional level, entirely optional. It's among at the beginning of Dark Souls two, you can kind of branch in various ways. Two of those paths you can take at the beginning lead to the same place. So Huntsman's uh, sorry, sorry, the uh, No Man's Wharf is entirely optional. It is pitch black. It is a nightmare. The you know it's it's a it is a wharf. So you're on these rickety bridges over over shallows. Uh, there are enemies with bows. There fire with fire arrows. Enemies with uh, that throw kind of oil at you to burn you alive. There are these giant hand spider monsters that crawl around in the darkness and are afraid of the light. So you have to carry a torch with you to shake them away. But that means you don't have a shield if you have a torch, or you don't have a sword. So you can't fight them properly if you don't have it. And if you kind of agitate them too much, they'll just lash out at you without looking. As you go through the area, there are these guys with the archers and the barbarian warriors all together at once. There are long falls in the darkness that you can't see. There's bouncing here and there. It's one of the strongest areas in the game. It's terrifying. It's it's upsetting. There's danger around every single corner. Everything can and will kill you. And it's probably the area with the least amount of friendlies next to the gutter, which is sort of my second runner-up for darkest, evilest design in Dark Souls 2. There are two guys in the entire wharf. One of them is Gavlan, who's a merchant who disappears after you talk to him. And the other one is Carhillion of the Fold, who's a wizard who disappears after you talk to him. So it is 
in, it is inhospitable by nature. It's upsetting to be in. It's scary. I didn't want to go there, but there's some important things that you can catch there, and it's a more efficient way to the Lost Bastille, the area it leads to. No Man's Wharf is, is brilliantly designed. It asks you to put this risk-reward of carrying a torch and no sword, or carrying a shield and, and no weapon, but you have light. Um, it asks you to play around, to, to, to focus in on light and shadow and use light to your advantage in a way that uh, no other area does. The gutter, which is another zone, still asks you to manage light and shadow, but never asks you to manage it gameplay-wise. It just needs you to see. You could just turn up your gamma and be fine. This doesn't work like that. You need to manage how you operate in this area, who you fight, where you fight them, and when you fight them, and how. And that's Dark Souls. Like, that's prime Dark Souls design, and why Dark Souls 2 was probably my favorite game of the year. Well, next on the list is the Skinner Box Memoriam Prize for Shut Up, I Don't Have a Problem, which uh, goes to, uh, which is yours. So. Yeah, so that goes to Destiny's Endgame. Um, basically, uh, I'm raid ready now. Um, Sorry. Yeah, you. yeah, so. You uh, say that so shamefully. Yeah, okay, so for anyone who doesn't know about Destiny, Destiny was the high-profile game released by Activision. It's the, It's basically a shooter set on a large... Um, space stage in which you and your dinkle buddy go out and attempt to explore the universe and like shoot down bad guys. I mean, I'm describing this in vague terms because the plot of Destiny is completely nonsensical. The game, the missions in Destiny is also completely nonsensical. The the, the mission design is poor. It's there's a lot of repetitivity. Repeti- uh, um, the word is repetition. What? The word is repetition. Yes, yes, yes. Do you mean to repeat that on purpose? Yes, yes, yes. What it ends up coming down to is Destiny is generally a bad game, and I don't think anyone really should put the effort to get in the point that I am. The problem with Destiny is that it's a bad game, I guess? Like, it's... I, I can't say anything don't, don't, else. Don't like, tell the internet that. Yeah. It's not... It's not good. Like, okay, so Destiny has a, a leveling up cycle that basically gets to once you get once you've completed all the missions in the game, you finished. It's a comp- borderline incomprehensible plot. You get to the point where you are allowed to now then enter this part of the game that is really really interesting, and that's the the part where you're competing for light. Light is basically it's another set of levels that you get mostly through gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason it wins the Skinner Box Prize is because. Loot is such a pain to get. It's I've been pl- I am I have only have like I have one legendary weapon despite being ostensibly light level six, light level twenty six. So how, how much have you played this game? Hours, please. A lot. Okay. More than more numbers. than most. More than numbers. <laughs> yeah. Are you but, ready for the DLC? Uh, so I, here's that's the thing that's been bugging. That's the thing that I think that makes made me want to put this in here was basically I had my finger hovering over the Destiny DLC all of yesterday and whether I was fighting myself whether or not to click because I know I'm going to dislike it like there's there's nothing there's nothing about Destiny that is redeeming except for its gameplay it's I think it's not really its gameplay because saying that the only redeeming quality is its gameplay is sort of it's a strange thing I think it's its core gameplay loop yeah it's its core game that's, that's the way of putting it it's just trapped in this terrible um this box of mediocrity. Exactly. And with, with bad level design and bad narrative and bad just 
aesthetics. And I hear, if it, I hear if a dark below has some better levels that might have the sword that you get to use again. There's a sword in one level. You know, I hear that the uh, the dark below actually is totally like if you download the newest patch, you totally have it. Just clicking the thing is an unlock, so you don't even have to wait. I should. I'm, okay, I'm gonna go home. <laughs> well, but before, before I leave, Destiny uh, and Budgie, you are getting the. Skinner Box Memorial Prize for Shut Up, I Don't Have a Problem. Uh, also, guys, Shut Up, I Don't Have a Problem uh, for Destiny's Endgame. But uh, we're going to move on to Friendship Annihilation, Efficiency, Memorial Award. And who does that go to, Daniel? That goes to Johann Sebastian Joust and the Sports Friends. Okay, so Johann Sebastian Joust, uh, we've talked about this game a lot in the last month or so. Uh, why, does that, why is that deserving of annihilating friendships? I watched my friend, my close, close friend, my friend since middle school just take his arm and thrust it into my brother's chest and fling him into my bookshelf. I saw this same gentleman, this same man took me, my my brother was then, he was put out of the game, a different game. He was sitting on my bed. We were playing in my room for reasons I cannot begin to understand. He flung me over him and into the wall like a judo throw. I kicked the man in the butt so hard that everybody in the basement turned around and was amazed at the clap. <laughs> One of my friends, he asked me, can I move your furniture? And I said, I, I guess it shouldn't be a problem. And he flipped over a couch and stood up on it so he could get the high ground. <laughs> he was trying to roll it over somebody's feet so that they would flinch and drop their controller. So how much of this is the game and the fact that you have friends who might be on the FBI watch list? I think part of it is that I have friends who are awful and hate each other and hate all of us. But part of it, I think, is that the game inspires this in people. Okay. When you, the, Joe, Johann Sebastian Jazz is a game where you have a controller, PlayStation Move controller, or PlayStation DualShock, a motion controller at the very least. There is a song playing. You can make the song custom. That's part of it. I think that might be part of it. We are not playing to box symphonies. We are playing to Space Jam and J-Pop. Um... <laughs> and Sonic Adventure music. Great. But you, while the music is fast, you can move more. While the music is slow, you can move less. If you move too much, your controller vibrates and you're out of the game. After, outside of that, there are no rules. And so this involves people throwing things and attacking each other and clawing and ripping and screaming and throwing and dragging and destroying and punching and kicking and beating. Johann Sebastian Joust will destroy... If Johann Sebastian Joust doesn't destroy your friendships, you will come out of them stronger. <laughs> do you, well, do you think you have come out of your friendship stronger? Oh, God, no. I hate all of them. All of them so much. The next list, on, the next item on our list, and that's the Occupy Commuters Fund for a game that nearly made me vomit. Um, that's and it goes to threes. So for anyone who knows me, I have a big problem with motion sickness. I, uh, well, anyone who's been on a road trip with me will know that. Uh, basically, if I look at a screen or I try to read anything, any kind of book while I'm in a car, I immediately feel nauseous, uh, which is why it's so problematic that I keep playing threes on my commute home. Even though it makes me feel so clo- so queasy that I've basically antagonized every bus driver on the Go Bus loop going between Mississauga and Toronto, uh, and but I I need to do it because Threes is the, probably one of the most charming games I've ever played, and it fills that void in my life when I'm listening to podcasts and just need, need to be something inter- that is. Not brain dead, but brainless enough that you can still pay attention to words. Exactly. So, as a result, I feel like my awards are, except for my last one, are games that work well with podcasts of the year. To be fair, that's sort of how I play games, too. I play games in identical fashion. That's why I love fighting games. Right. I just turn the music off and listen to a podcast. 
I have to first say that like I usually don't get really all that wound up by games that mostly the thing is the score. Uh, but threes made me care about my score, and that's that's super big for me because I played Super Hexagon. Do not care. I played a lot of games, a lot of pinball games, a lot of games that the main appeal is, uh, hey you guys, you get to boost this number higher. I have never cared more about putting that number higher. What's your, what's your highest number? My highest number is only fifteen thirty-six. So thirty-six. What is my highest number? I, want I think I, I'm at sixty thousand. Sixty thousand points, or yeah, uh, sixty thousand score is the uh, yeah. All the all the little blocks, the one, the two, the three, the, uh, the six, the, everything up to well, I guess fifteen thirty-six has their own charm. Uh, in that, it's like. Uh, 192 is a pirate, and 768 is uh, is a vampire, and 1536 is a gargantuan spider creature. And I've only I haven't seen what the other ones look like, but I'm assuming they get more Lovecraftian and horrifying from here on in. But that kind of stuff, and they're all voice acted. That's the kind of stuff that pushes me forward. Mm-hmm. There's also the fact that threes, I just think, is a really good, well-designed game. There's just an element yeah. of strategy to it. But it's, it's a really cleverly designed game. My highest number is 768, so I'm not even... All right, so award for soul game in which Armand is better than Daniel Rosen goes to threes. Yeah. Um, and the Occupy Commuters Fund for a game that nearly made um, Armand or me vomit. Next game on the list is Mappy the Mouse Memorial Scholarship for Best Appearance by a Mappy in a Video Game. Well, it's, it's not a Mappy. It's Mappy. By Mappy There's in a Video Game. Mappy. <laughs> There's one Mappy. There's only one? Only one Mappy. No oh, that makes us even more unique. So what's the one that got, managed to come out here? The winner is Pac-Man's Taunt in Super Smash Bros. for Wii U. Okay, so how... I didn't realize that Pac-Man was a mouse cop. Uh, Pac-Man is friends with a mouse cop sometimes. In uh, Well, so the thing with Pac-Man's Taunt is that his side taunt pulls up sprites from from old Namco Bandai arcade games, including Mappy the Mouse Cop, um, which really isn't a great game, but it sort of highlights the obscure nonsense of Pac-Man's taunt and of Smash Bros. in general. And I really want to talk about Smash Bros. when it came to Game of the Year stuff, because I love it so much, but I've reviewed it twice, and I've previewed it three times, and there's nothing to say anymore. And so it came to the point where all I want to talk about is the tiny granular things. I want to talk about the little details, the, and, and specifically... The, the references and the fan service details. Because one of my favorite things about it is stuff like noticing that Megamon, Mega Man Volnut, the character from Mega Man Legends, is his, his game appearances listed in his trophy section is Mega Man 64, not Mega Man Legends, because Nintendo's not going to admit that PlayStation exists. <laughs> or that Sonic Generations' version of Rooftop Run is the only song in the entire game that's from a 360 or PS3. Um... I love the fact that there's a Libble Rabble music. The game recognizes Libble Rabble, which is Toro Iwatani's follow-up to Pac-Man, which did really poorly. Um, I love that all of Mega Man's animations are directly lifted from old Mega Man games. Um, Down to his, like, not even his walking animation. The animation he does before he walks is a little shuffle, where he moves one leg very slightly. Um, I love that there's an assist trophy. There's no assist trophy for Link's Awakening, but there is one for For the Frog, The Bell Tolls, which is a game that Link's Awakening stole, like, Link's Awakening stole that game's engine to make one of the best Zelda games ever made. Uh, you know, it, I love the fact that there's two songs from the completely forgotten RPG series Golden Sun. I love that Pac-Man's taunts run the gamut from Libble Rabble to Mappy to Zevius, which people actually know, to Valkyrie, which nobody knows. Um, so why is, why is Mappy the best in the bunch? 
Mappy the, Mappy just the one I highlighted, and because it's a fun thing to say, the Mappy the Mouse Cop Award for the best appearance by Mappy in a video game. Okay. Uh, but specifically, I just love Mappy. I think Mappy is a kind of a cute little fun maze game. Uh, I think his design is adorable, and I think it really highlights how deep they dug for this. It's it, it's sort of a weird thing that games don't often get to be very what's the word reverent of their own history. And it's just sort of, it's nice to see somebody get the fanboy out about one of the ones that, you know, these are the games that are fundamental to modern game design, and it's good to see somebody re be reverent towards them, especially if it involves referencing Mappy the Mouse Cop, who deserves to wear some golden sunglasses. Next, we have the my personal. Uh, I'm going to give the Golden Sunglasses Award for best award name to Grimaldi's Wizard Wardrobe for <laughs> fantasy game that filled the void, and that award goes to it goes to The Witcher Two. So we both wanted to play Dragon Age Inquisition, but neither of us had. I didn't have the cash at the at the time. Neither did I actually, yeah. but I also didn't have a console to play it on. Yeah, so I was hoping to play it on my PC, where I already owned The Witcher Two, which came out in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> um. And I just end up playing a bunch of The Witcher 2, um, which... How Polish would you say it is? It's super Polish, man. I like, watched my brother play a little bit of it. It's it's a good game. Like, it's really good. And I was, I was kind of amazed how good it was playing through it because it does a lot of things that I had problems with Skyrim, which came around right around the same time. That, ga that game, is, I feel like it hasn't gotten quite as much press as it could have uh, because it came out around the same time as Skyrim and it was just a fantasy game that had and to it's compete. super Polish. Yeah, and it's super Polish. It is just so, like, very, very Eastern European. It's also pretty sexist, um, but I feel like the the dedication they have to that game's systems, and it, it, the thing, I think the biggest difference is also that it had an interesting... Uh, Gameplay. The problem is that it's just it's too complicated for its own good, mm -hmm. but it's far more engaging than Skyrim and a lot of other modern action RPGs, which seem to want to focus on their crazy lore or their big world to explore. Witcher did not have that big world. These don't. These are Polish. This is the Polish developer uh, CD Project. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Okay. Uh, CD Project Red. CD Project Red. And uh, it's you know what I think the Poland agrees with me in that it's the only game ever gifted to Obama. So that's true. Uh, the golden sunglasses will be will, placed will, on Obama's face. beautiful face. <laughs> okay, so then our last prize, in total of all the individual awards in general, is going to be the JRPG Dowry Prize for Successful Shotgun Wedding. Now, you've told me a bit about this, but I want to give it away for the rest of the audience. It sounds amazing. It is Persona Q. Okay. It is Persona Q. Pers it's specifically it's Persona Q's battle system. Okay. And Persona Q, putting aside the raw, uncut anime yes. that it comprises Persona Q. It is cut from the same fabric that all anime were spun from. Yes. Uh, the cloth, though, in like cases said, that's too sugoi. The, the thing with the battle system that makes it really interesting is that it's a real, Persona Q is a crossover, ostensibly, between Persona and Etrian Odyssey. It doesn't actually feel very much like Persona 3 and 4, the games it's crossing over with. They, it feels a little bit more like Persona 1 and 2, in that instead of having one main character with a persona that can be changed, thus changing his abilities and skills, um, and, you know, every other party member has a fixed set of abilities, almost like Pokemon, um... Every character now has a, has four has three or four fixed abilities that change as they level up, and can add on one additional sub persona they equip to give them about six more abilities, up to six more abilities. That uh, sub persona also gives them uh, a boost to their HP and SP. So let's say persona um, 
I'm trying to think. Uh, Nako Shogun gives you plus 20 HP, plus 20 SP. At the beginning of every fight, plus 20 HP and plus 20 HP is added to your base totals. That is free resources for which to use. It thus makes the fights a ton more aggressive because every time you hit an enemy weakness, you get a, you, the next action you take will be for free. Which means all of a sudden you're in this constant loop of, all right, I want to spend all of my SP as fast as possible, all my free SP as fast as possible to get, a, to get to hit a weakness, hammer home on that weakness, not spend any SP, and come out of the fight without, even though I've taken a little bit of damage and used a lot of abilities, I actually haven't lost any HP or SP, which lets me stay in the labyrinth more, which in Astro is what you want to do. You want to stay in the dungeon as much as possible. It creates this fascinating balance of a hyper-aggressive system that still relies on tactical, you know, focus when you're encountering new enemies and bosses but still promotes a kind of aggression that Echonodacy doesn't get to have. Because Echonodacy, you need to be conservative, you need to really be tactical. And every fight takes a long time because you want to focus in on what's the most efficient way to kill enemies without draining my resources. In this case, your resources are not infinite, but so much more accessible that it becomes what's the fastest way to get rid of these things so they can't drain my resources. And that's really exciting and fun, and it's aggressive. And it's, uh, I think, you know, I never thought these two games, which I've played so much of, could have new ways to surprise me. But they totally do, and it's great. That's all. F so, okay, well, who are you gonna give the, who's going to get the, the shades? Oh, they, well, the, the golden shades go to Persona Q. But who is our game of the year? I think we should each do an individual golden sunglasses. Okay. And decide on what we each think our game of the year is. Because I don't think we can decide on just one. They'll be co-game of the year. Each one will get They'll each have a golden monocle that when come together, they'll form a beautiful golden bifocal. I'm going to give it to Therese. I'm going to give it to Dark Souls. Dark Souls 2. All right. All right. Seems good. That's all for the awards. Congratulations to our winners and our condolences to the losers. We have sent a cookie bouquet to Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm producer Armin Bali. And I'm features editor Daniel Rosen. For more about our award winners, check out our website, builttoplay.ca. We're available on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. Leave us a review so we know how we're doing and more people can find the show. Uh, we're usually on the air at the Scope at Ryerson at 1 p.m. with a new episode on Saturdays. We recently wrapped up our last theme of 2014, so check out our site for episodes and articles all about playing games and with your friends and what's one foes. While you're there, check out the archives for articles about games, love, open worlds, localization, and virtual reality. It's all part of a big package we're calling Built to Play Volume 1. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Built to Play to find out when we'll be back with Built to Play Volume 2, Episode 3, The Return of David Cage. Until then, watch out for special episodes all through the cold winter months. You can follow me personally at Flarkon, that's F-L-R-K-C-O-N. And I'm at Daniel underscore Rosen. And the gold monocle, I think, is an actual item in Dark Souls 2. Thank you so much for listening. Let's go!